Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live. And we're live, and it isn't Saturday, it's Friday. Um, you know, as, as a business owner, uh, I know what it's like to have a whole list of little things that are important but don't get done, and then you wind up uh, doing stuff like this. So, anyway, this is Richmond Biz Live, recording uh, uh, live and recording from the studios of WLE News Talk 990. It is 12.06 in beautiful Richmond, getting ready for Halloween today. Uh, and so let me talk a little bit about the show and then we'll get started in really what we are for. And we got a number of calls in, uh, I think Ryan, you got a few, um, last, uh, last week on Jack's show about, gee, we should start, we should st talk yeah. about entrepreneurs and startups. Is that true? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and so what I want to say to anybody out there who has either just started a business or is thinking about starting a business, everything that we cover here is relevant. It's a, it's a matter of what stage of the business that you're in. So there's nothing that we talk about that is not critical. Now, on the other hand, if you're listening and you think about starting a business, we got absolutely the right person in the studio today, one of our thought leaders, Mark Deutsch, and this is one of his areas of expertise. But really, what we did with the show is we felt as if there was plenty of resources available to people in the startup area, and where, most, where the greatest lack of help was with those businesses that have a legacy, that have been around for a few years, and as an owner, I know what it's like to have six startups. Two of them were pretty successful, and we made a lot of money. Uh, two that bombed and took all the money that we made. And then two that were kind of mits and mitzes that we'd say up north. Uh, they they kind of make it, and they kind of don't. They kind of just languish. And so, at least personally, I've experienced all of those outcomes. And one of the reasons I got into this particular area and focused on small business was um, I've been very successful as a large corporate consultant. I've helped a lot of companies get to where they were. And yet here I am, I got, um, I was two for six on my track record on startups going, how could that be? And so that drove me, uh, over the last, what is this? This is almost 2015. The last 13 years I've been kind of passionately on this tour. So what are we? This, the show is Richmond Biz Live. We broadcast live every Friday at 12.06. Uh, I still got that Saturday in me. Uh, here from the studios at WLE, uh, WLE News Talk 990. Um, the show is designed for business owners and delivered by business owners. And what we are is we are the number one business talk show in Richmond. And we're here to, to remove the obstacles, help you identify and remove the obstacles to growing and selling your business. Uh, every week, we share years of practical research, research and experience gained from growing and selling businesses. Our methods are based upon self-financing your growth from zero to, to market leadership or even market dominance. Not that we're opposed to lines of credit or taking out loans or any of those type of things, but uh, I think fundamentally is that if you can grow the business from cash, that puts you in a position that you can go borrow it. If you cannot grow the business from cash, the banks have a tendency to look at you going, now, I'm not going to give you any money. So who are we? We are recognized thought leaders in our field. We've all been there. We've built our own businesses. And basically what we're here to do is provide you 54 minutes 
of the most significant uh, advice that you could receive during the week and what are the shortcuts to grow your company. Um, so what, you can watch us, you can listen, you can join. How do you watch? Well, you can watch and listen. One is you can go to our website, which is richmondbizlive.com. And you can, you can watch us from there on the streaming video, and you, you'll be right here into the studio. Or you can listen streamed over the web. Obviously, if you're listening here, you know how to do that. But more importantly, you can join the conversation um, at 844-249-5483. I'll say that again. 844, by the way, this is toll-free, 844-249-5483 or 844.bizlive. So if you're, if you're at the point where you're saying to yourself, hey, it's time for my business to pay me back for all the years of investment, taking no checks, and the sacrifices that I and my family have made, then you need to be here every Friday at 12.06 because we're talking to you. We're talking about how you can get your business, your dream back on track and then have it do what it needs to do, whether that is to grow it and do it again or to sell it. And of course, if you are out there looking for a new challenge and you're looking to buy a business, then this season we're going to do that. And so uh, for the people who are not familiar with the show, we're running in two tracks this week. We're going to be talking about buying and selling businesses. Uh, last week and next week, we talk about if your decision was to reinvest in the business and regrow it, then that's what we were going to cover. And today we're going to be talking about, okay, if I want to buy a business, what should I be looking at? And if I'm selling a business, um, what, how do I go about doing that? So what I'd like to welcome back to the show is Mark Deutsch. How you doing, Mark? Right, going well, Bill. Good to be here, man. Yeah, it's good seeing you again. So we get to see each other every other week. So let's talk a little bit about um, our first segment here, and that is, why do you want to sell the business? What are the critical issues here that somebody's got to ask themselves about, all right, I've, I've had it. Time to go. Mm -hmm. Well, before I get to that, too, I want to hear two weeks ago, you said screaming internet instead of screaming and this today you should have said screaming right because it is halloween after all. Uh, so that, that would have been even better than uh, you know i don't even know what comes out of my mouth half the time <laughs> i get accused of that quite frequently quite frequently and it's interesting hearing about how some other folks calling into other programs mentioned talking about entrepreneurship because a lot of what i'll talk about today is wrapped around the idea of preparing your business for sale as well it's so important so if you are earlier stage, this information is going to be really helpful to you as well. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, this show is probably more relevant. This track is more relevant to you than the other track because we're talking about how to reinvent the firm. The, what's critical here to understand is you need to start, the day you start your business, you've got to be asking yourself, how am I getting out? Right. And if selling is how I intend to get out, then what we're going to cover here in the next few minutes is in, in, incredibly important to you. Because if you don't know this, you can't do it. That's right, Bill. And I, I think it was uh, Stephen Covey, I believe, that was said you should start with the end in mind. Absolutely. A lot of people should approach your business that way. And I'm seeing that more and more often now, as a matter of fact, is one of the topics when you're, let's talk first about positioning your company for sale. So if you're looking to sell your business, what questions do you need to ask yourself? One of those is, have you thought about the exit? And a great strategy is to, I'm seeing more and more often, especially with high-tech startups in the area here, at least, is they're approaching the start of their business with the intent of a potential acquirer and designing their business around the idea of what, if we're, that company is on a buying spree within the next couple of years, what would be good for them to easily integrate us into their systems, which is kind of fascinating. See, it, it is because I've uh, we, we run a Linux-based operation, and we've, we have bought into a lot of web platforms mm -hmm. only to have those web platforms go away because they were bought. Right. And any of you that were on Skype, you know exactly what happened. Microsoft now owns them. That's right. 
That's right. That's right. So that, that's a good common thing to keep in mind. Design your business with the end in mind. So think about an exit strategy before yep. you even walk in the front door is one technique when you're positioning your business for sale. The, the key thing to think about, though, when it comes to thinking about selling your business or positioning it for sale is to first think about your why. Uh, there's a great TED Talk by a guy named Simon Sinek, uh, S-I-N-E-K, who talks about understanding the power of why in your business. And it's such a powerful concept. But first, give some thought to why is it you want to sell your business? Because that's going to impact what you do to prepare your business for sale. And when I say why, is it a lot of businesses commonly are sold, most commonly sold, because of a, a an event. Right. So an illness in the family, uh, you, you the owner suddenly gets sick, a spouse gets sick, the spouse is getting on you for, look, it's been 25, 30 years, honey, I'd like to enjoy some success. It's time to exit the business. So oftentimes that's the impetus for the why. In fact, uh, when we when our company was hired to basically be the vice president of a manufacturing company down in Southwest Virginia, mm -hmm. this is exactly what it is. The owner, after 28 years, is going, "I'm done," and his health is not that great. Right. And so our job is to make it very profitable. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but if he's going to sell it, it's going to be worth a hell of a lot more money in a year than it was this year. That's right. And you don't want it to be a, a terminal event where all of a sudden right. there's a death. Now I have a fire sale to sell the business. Then you're in a much weaker position when it comes to being in, in any position to sell the business because now you're going to essentially take what offers come along as opposed to thinking deliberately about what your exit strategy is going to be. So, Absolutely. You know, we want it to be a logical conclusion to a career. We don't want it to be an event that necessarily triggers the sale of the business. And you also want to think about the, the changing business conditions also can impact the sale. Sometimes the business, the market just shifts and you're need to get out of the business and mm -hmm. see that you see what's coming down the pike and you're just not yeah. positioned to weather that storm. Someone else may be, and they may be interested in buying the company as a result of that. So the first step is really to fully understand the answer to that question. And, right. and frankly, if you are going to sell your business, most people are going to work with a business broker or intermediary of some type. And that should be the first thing they ask. If they don't ask that, run the other way. Any decent intermediary is going to ask you, why exactly do you want to sell the business? And if, if they don't fully understand it, and if you don't, that's really step one. And I just want to emphasize what Mark said is do your due diligence on business brokers. There's some really good people out there, but it's a market that anybody, I could put a shingle out and say I'm a business broker. That's right. It's fascinating too, Bill, on that topic. I believe there are only 17 states that currently require at a minimum a real estate license to sell businesses. Most states, including Virginia, do not. So you can, like you said, hang a shingle and call yourself a broker. Yeah. Not that it should be regulated, but it, it, it's it's definitely buyer beware. It is absolutely buyer beware, and in, in, in that marketplace, it's great to get referrals from other folks. And I mm -hmm. prefer to suggest people work with someone who's in the exit strategy planning business as well. Got it. Not just a business broker. So that, that's really step one. The next thing is really to understand your I call them your sales motivations and your ideal outcomes. So, for example, a high price might not be your single most important priority. Uh, you may want to continue to be involved in the business. You might want to continue to have some input. You may want to continue on as a consultant. There can be other reasons besides just getting the, the highest possible price you can. And oftentimes, a relationship starts out that way. It's adversarial, which can be problematic. The, right. the, the owner wants to exit the business, thinks it's worth more than it really is in reality, and they want to get the highest possible price. The buyer wants to get the lowest possible price, like in any type of right. real property transaction. So that can create a negative issue right out of the gate. Mark, your experiences, because I've, I've experienced this with business owners, not that I'm in the, the selling business, I simply get them ready to sell, is what's the number one reasons that the owners are not happy what, what apparently is the market price for their business? I think it's unreasonable expectations. They, they, okay. they, they live in a world where they put their blood, sweat, tears, and heart and soul into a business, and they have unreasonable expectations. So they have something other than a potential acquirer 
is really looking at a multiple of revenue generally. So they're looking at a multiple of the bottom line is the general generally accepted okay. valuation process, and they just think it's worth a lot more than that multiple. They throw goodwill. They have a high value on their own goodwill and the brand that they've established, not just the bottom line numbers. And of course, if they're gone, where's the goodwill? That's right. That's right. So that they, and it, which is also dangerous, as we talked about earlier, prepare with the end in mind. So as you're preparing your business, you have to pull yourself out of the business, really, and look at it. That That's what an acquirer is looking at, because you're not going to be there forever. They don't want you to be in most cases. Right. They'd rather that brand become their brand now, so there's got to be a transfer. So I think a lot of value, unreasonable value, is put on goodwill. Okay, got think, it. And, and, brand, and brand equity as well. So also a lot of people look at, rightfully so, treat their business as their baby. Mm. So I'm, it's like an adoption. Um, I'm having to give my kid up here that I, I've raised through all the hard times. I've put up with all the, the heartache and heartbreak and now I'm going to give that baby to somebody else. Going to, of course, it's illegal to sell babies, at least in the United <laughs> States, right? But in this case, I'm selling my baby to someone else, and That's now right. they're going to take it over from here and take them to another layer of adulthood and to another layer mm -hmm. of maturity. So I also have to be mentally able to admit that someone else might can do a better job than I'm doing with my business, or I'm ready to move on. So the psychological factors. And that is a huge one for a lot of owners to it overcome. Is. It is, and and they also a lot of people don't think about how the sale is going to impact our lives going forward. Mm -hmm. We also have to give that some thought. Is What's the impact right. going to be now? For example, my my partner that I'm working with on the American Small Business Research Institute, Rick Grossberg, who we heard from a couple weeks ago, he found when he exited a business he had built over the course of more than 25 years, the morning after. Woke up and said, now, this is nice. I got a nice check in my bank account, but where do I go now? What do I do? And not having a place to go, the psychological impact of that can't be underestimated as well. Yes. So if you're thinking about, again, selling, transitioning, it is a very emotional process to turn your baby over to someone else, understand the dynamics of what people are mm -hmm. looking for, and, and just the fact that you're going to negotiate from the other side of the table from someone else, and also to under, fully appreciate and understand that, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to do with my time? Which is a good reason to leave a business. It's just, yeah. I want to move on to do something else, which is a great reason to sell your business. But you've got to understand how other people are going to perceive that. Again, okay. a, good, a good broker is going to, going to ask you those types of questions. Okay. If you're in crisis mode, you're going to have to sell the business very fast. So that's the last thing we want you to do. Yeah, so it would be like a short sale on a house. You know you're not going to get top dollar or even anything close to what it's worth. That's right. That's right. So a couple of key issues you really want to, to think about when it comes to selling your business that we haven't talked about. Be, uh, understand your desired price and make sure it's relative to the market. Understand the reality of this is what the business is worth, and bring in a valuation specialist if you can. Brokers are going to serve some of that role for you if they if they have the opportunity to. But in many cases, bringing a CPA or a certified valuator uh, to help value the business. And and I want to I want to all you entrepreneurs out there that have just started, it would be helpful to do this today. And here's mm -hmm. why: you'll understand how the valuation takes place. So when you make your investment decisions that grow the company. You should be investing in anything that's going to get valued. If it's not going to get valued, um, I'm not saying don't do it, but I'm saying give it a second or third thought. Absolutely. It is critical. And it's also interesting, again, when ideally you've got a window of about five years or so when you want to sell your business, that it's not brought on by a crisis, so you can plan that. And a great tool to do is get a current valuation and see right. what the value drivers are to really make the business more valuable in the marketplace. Down in Southwest Virginia, we're doing that yearly now. Yearly. Excellent. Yeah, I think, I think it's very helpful. For 2500 bucks is what it's costing us to get a, a valuation of, of the business. Well, the guy wants the business because he knows eventually it's going to sell. So yeah. we're, I know we're getting a good deal. <laughs> well, that's also important to think about your uh, your outcomes in that respect. What are the outcomes? Is, is it just the money? Do I want to retire? Do I want to continue being involved as a seller? Do I want to be engaged as a consultant? Do I have any active role going forward? That's going to impact your thought process, I think, as well, was 
to think about those potential outcomes and, and prioritize them. There, there's an old methodology of, of problem solving called the Ben yeah. Franklin approach, right? You'd look at the pros and cons on either right. side and see which one outweighs the other. Yep. In this case, just really look at, at what are your expectations and prioritize those. I want to be able to be completely detached from the business. I want the highest price possible. I want to exit the business immediately. That's very common for owners to get out of the business and move on to something else. Uh, you got to understand if that's a priority for you, that's going to impact how you're going to negotiate with someone. Got it. Uh, again, as I said earlier, the bottom line to me is know your exit. Understand your exit strategy in advance. Understand what your intentions are, what you'd like to do going down the road, and that's going to make it a much smoother process. Do your best to plan and plan diligently. Engage the appropriate team of professionals, uh, which is what we'll talk about in a couple weeks, actually, is who you should have on your yeah. deal team. Yeah, I was going to say, coming down, as you look down the road, because in the next segment we're going to talk about to those people who want to become entrepreneurs and buying a business. So let's stick with selling it. What do you got coming down the road that's going to get people pique their interest that in two weeks we're going to be going, okay, you understand this, now what? Right. Coming down the road, we're, we're going to, so in two weeks, we're going to focus on who you should include in that deal team and what their credentials ah. ought to be. A lot of people attempt to go this road themselves. I'll just hire a broker and they'll do all the work. As you said, buyer beware. That often is not the case. They're going to focus really on selling in the immediate term. So most brokers tell me if it's not within the next year, they're not interested. So if you're looking to plan a little further out, you're often on your road. It can be a long okay. road. So we're going to give you the tools necessary to meet the right folks, build your team of the right professionals to get the best possible outcome. Okay. All right. So why don't you join us here as we're about to go to break? Why don't you join us at um, 844-249-5483? That's 844-249-53. Questions uh, for Mark. And when we go to break, uh, when we come back from break, really, you can pick up this conversation and talk to Mark directly on that number. Or what we can do is then we will move on to, okay, you're on the other end of this. And by the way, if you don't have no interest in buying a business, you're simply interested in selling, I heartily recommend that you pay attention to this because it's kind of like sales. If you don't understand both sides of the sales transaction, how do you sell anything to anybody? And we'll be back. So what exactly is this gangplank RVA thing I'm hearing about all over town? Basically, it's a community center for small businesses, entrepreneurs, and creatives. We provide a large open space for you to work with a desk and a chair, high-speed Wi-Fi, and other amenities you normally find in an office setting. And just what does all this cost, you ask? Zip, zero, zilch. Using gangplank RVA is absolutely free. There are no membership fees. All that we ask is for you to pay it forward by sharing your knowledge and skills with the community. Just bring your laptop, your cell phone, and your work materials, and you're good to go. It's a work environment without all the distractions of a home office or a coffee shop. Drop in Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, or we host several meetups every week that you're welcome to visit anytime. We have two convenient locations for you to check out, one in Scott's Edition and one in downtown Richmond at RVA Works. Learn more by visiting gangplankrva.org today. And we look forward to you joining us at Richmond's Community Center for Entrepreneurs, Gangplank RVA. And we're back. This is WLE News Talk 990. The show is Richmond Biz Live. And you have some options. If you're listening here, obviously, uh, you don't need the web. But if you want to go to the web and scream us, not well, I guess Mark said, <laughs> scream us. Uh, you can go to www.richmondbizlive.com, and on the home on the front page, you you will see a video, and if you click that, that'll take you right to our webcam, 
Uh, the audio, if you click that, will take you to our library of podcasts and previous shows. And then on the last one is text. So it'll take you to some of the materials that we are providing to you so that you can, you know, basically, you can grow your business. One way to look at it, this website gives you access to an MBA and growing and selling your company. So we're back with Mark Deutsch in the studio. Um, jump in 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. Mark, is there anything you want to do to kind of conclude uh, the segment on selling the business or are we ready to now move to the other side of the equation? I think we're ready to move to the other side. All right. So now for those of you who got money in your pocket and it's burning a hole and uh, you're thinking about, I could invest it and get maybe a five, six, seven percent return, or maybe I could buy a company and get 20, 30 percent. Let's go there. That's right. Absolutely. And that, that's a great way to start, I think, Bill, because that, that's probably one of the, the best reasons to buy a business is to look at a much better way to, to secure a financial future. And, and one of my own perspectives, I talked with someone this morning, in fact, about uh, wanting some help getting a job. And, and there was a young man there, it was his father and his son who was 12 years old in the conversation. He wants to encourage his son to become an entrepreneur. Said, as far as finding a job, I'm the wrong guy. I'm just not a yeah. believer. If you want to build wealth in, in any country, especially in America, you need to own your own business. A great way to do it as opposed to working for right. someone else. The only exception to that is if you got a sales job driven by commission, because then you can do the same thing as the business owner. You can decide how big the check is by what you sell. Man, that is right. And you can work for a good business owner that appreciates that and doesn't say, yeah. you can't make more money than I do, Bill. We're going to stop you at a quarter million dollars. Cause but that is true. If you, <laughs> if you, if you want to determine the size of your check, you better yeah. buy You better get your own business. Absolutely. And also as, as a lifelong salesperson, that's one of the most critical features. I think the, the best entrepreneurs tend to be the ones that understand that they have to be a salesperson. The one, if they don't, if you're more of an operations person and can't find a good salesperson, you're not good at marketing your business, you're unfortunately not going to do well. And and I think a lot of people don't think about that when they are interested in buying their own business. Really, the first step in considering to buy a business is to, as I said in the earlier part of our segment, same process, understand why. Mm -hmm. Well, what is your why? Why exactly do you want to buy a business? And if it's just because you're having a bad day at work and you want to replace your job with buying a job, which a lot of people do, they buy a business and only replace their job in doing so. Just understand that going in, not don't have the expectations that I'm going to become a multimillionaire by getting into this business. I'm, I'm currently a, a tech working for an HVAC company. I think I can do a better job. I leave, I go out and get my own truck and start my own business. You better understand in most cases, you're just buying a job rather than right. having the skill set to truly build a business. If it's never more than you and a helper in this particular scenario, you're creating a job, not a company. That's right. And that that's okay. Yeah. You, you just need to understand that's really the majority of companies out there are smaller businesses. They tend to be less than a few employees. Right. So that's typically that scenario. That's right. And they're not that interested in, in growing because that means that they'd have to hire people. They're more interested in how do I improve my margin? Because I'm not, I'm only going to be able to sell X, so I've got to make more per sale. That's right, that's right, and it's also why it's critical to have a, and this applies in any business, a solo or or hundred person organization or a thousand person organization, and that is to be passionate about what you're going to do. I find a lot of people, one of the reasons they want to buy a business is is very strategic. Most buys tend to be strategic buys. They come into a situation to buy a business, they think they can add more value to it and increase the value of that business. At the same time, they don't have a passion for that business. Uh, in most cases, especially small, the small business community, right. the businesses that are less than, than 10 million in size, for example, less than 50 million even, you've got to have the interest in the business. I think as you're experiencing as well, multi-million dollar business, you got to roll your sleeves up and get dirty. 
You don't simply come in and start directing traffic and sit back in your office and, and eat yeah. bonbons. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Since I've been, since I've been made VP now I'm on my fifth month, it's been incredible. I've built things that I didn't know how to build mm -hmm. until I built them. I've done installations that I didn't know how to do, but now I know how to install. Right. And, and, and simply the reason is, is that you must, you cannot, the, it, you're not big enough to have the resources laying around to get something done. If you don't have passion for what you do, then it's going to be a long day. It is. And, and a lot of people, a lot of people also buy a franchise. Right. As their choice of well, a, that's a great of a business model. And, and what's the upside of buying a franchise? You know, the upside is, is interesting. You have great systems. You have, and what a lot of businesses lack. A lot of smaller businesses don't have policies, procedures, systems, structure, right. ways to operate the business that don't have any help when they have challenges. Franchises, one of the one of the businesses that I own is BNI. It's one of the world's largest, right. the world's largest franchise. Well, in fact, that's to, how we met. It was that's through BNI. Uh, it's, it's I don't a, know, five, franchise. six years ago. Yeah, it is. It's a great franchise in over 50 countries now, over 600 yeah. franchisees, very large organization, but I get a lot of support when I have challenges. And there's a, we kind of joke about it, but there is a, a policy procedure for everything in BNI. So everything's right. covered. So I don't have to make it up myself. That's right. Now, on the other hand is that if you want to be a freewheeling entrepreneur and do what you want to do. That's right. You probably shouldn't buy a franchise because you will get fired. They'll That's come, right. They'll come take it. And probably not give you any money back. That's right. And it is not fun when that happens. And, and also the, the downside is I'm paying someone else a percentage of my sales. You pay yeah. what's called a royalty, which is on the top of your sales. So it doesn't matter necessarily if you make money. You better believe the franchise. It's like the Roman Empire. Them. You pay tribute to it the is, emperor. You do pay tribute. That's for sure. Good way to look at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to pass that on to, to my emperor. Oh, okay. Here. And it's a, it's a great process, I think. A lot of people acquire the franchise, but again, don't have the passion for it. And assume that I'm buying a franchise. I've got all the policy procedures, all the books on how to do it. I can just buy it and retire to the beach and enjoy my, my income. That's that's not the way it works. No. I don't know of a business. I have never seen a business where the owner could do that because what will happen is that we um, the attitude of the business is a reflection of the leadership of the business. Right. And if you're hands off, I guarantee you that that attitude will permeate the organization. That's right. Well, one of the best strategies I see when you when you're considering buying a business is to, as I said earlier, roll your sleeves up. So even as a potential acquirer of a business, it's really great to to shadow the business, get engaged in the mm -hmm. business, work with the owner, work with their team in order to see exactly what the business entails. Shadow them for a couple of days a week and see exactly what is involved. Those folks have a realistic expectation. I know a, a franchise again that that my partner Rick Roseberg was involved in, Architect. What they would do is their last step in their franchise sales process was to talk you out of it. Right. It was very powerful to say, we want to convince you every reason why you shouldn't do this. So you fully understand the, the, what's going to be involved. And there are no surprises. And in many cases, in most cases, in fact, Rick shares that they would sell themselves even harder. Well, by God, you know, you're going to work long hours. You're going to work 18 hours a day consistently yep. to make this happen. Well, you're sure you're ready for that? Yeah, I'm ready for that. I can do it. So it was interesting seeing the, the <laughs> process. And I do the same thing oftentimes in my business. Yeah. Talk people out of it. It's very rewarding. I'm a big advocate of it. At the same time, you've got to have realistic expectations when you're looking to acquire a business. And similar to, to selling a business, understand part of your reason why. Are you just looking to do something different than you're currently doing? So when, when I acquired a half dozen businesses that I've acquired, that was generally what I was looking to do. I was interested in another industry, interested in a rapid growth business. I really enjoy that that hockey a hockey stick style growth that's mm -hmm. close of growth that's what i enjoy the most so when a business tends to plateau is when i would tend to either sell it or have someone else run it so you're it. a serial entrepreneur i am i am a serial entrepreneur absolutely i love being involved in multiple entities 
again, I love mm-hmm. that growth. And when I see a steady annuitized revenue stream, so the business is making money, in my case, I don't like to sell those businesses off. I generally prefer to have someone else operate them for me who is interested in being an employee rather than being a business owner. And, and, and Mark has got an interesting insight there because the, the, the issue of, and in the off weeks when you're not here and we're talking about reinventing the business, one of the things to consider is you reinvent the business to be acquired because mm-hmm. one of the ways, I wouldn't say one of the ways, the major way that most larger companies grow is an acquisition. They don't reinvent the firm. They just buy the pieces that are missing, one, number one or number two. They see a new potential uh, proprietary technology on the horizon going, oh, let's go get this first right. and then lock it down. And at least for a couple of years, we got to have the industry standard and everybody's got to come to us. So certainly for those of you who are more thinking about reinventing the company, this is something to consider. If you reinvent the company, at some point you are going to get out. Um, do you want to sell or even better? How about getting uh, acquired? How about having somebody, and I have a good friend of mine um, who uh, did this, and he built the company with the specific purpose of being bought by IBM, mm-hmm. and they came forward with a check for $400 million, nice, which was 10 times what the company was worth. Very nice. Mike Hendren, and uh, Mike is now sitting on the Ohio River in Kentucky, <laughs> just a little bit outside of Louisville, and enjoying himself. Well, that, that's a great reason to do it, I think. And, and a lot of people, so the more, the larger the businesses get, now you start getting into strategic buys. Yeah. And so a lot of people buy for several different reasons. One of them is just to gain market share. So a great strategy is you, you've got competitors in your local marketplace to buy the competition out. And that's happened quite a bit here in the Richmond local marketplace yeah. as well as nationally. It's a great strategy. If you've got a certain type of business, you've got competitors who you believe you'd be able to bring them in-house and roll up those types of businesses and do a better job and centralize some of your processes to be more efficient, you can squeeze more productivity. More, Be, more besides, how, how do you get a huge multiple on your business? This is one of the ways to get a multiple because, like you said, every industry has its own. Um, uh, in the consulting business, it's about two and a half times revenue. Mm-hmm. It, now, they do lots of different things and evaluate assets and all that, but basically two and a half times revenue. Well, if you want to get 10 times revenue, out of that type of business, you better have something that is proprietary and up and coming because that's how you're, you're not going to sell it to somebody who's getting into the business and make a lot of money. You're going to make your money by selling it who somebody is either in the space Mm -hmm. or wants to get in the space and they really know what they're doing and they really see the value what you're doing. That's when you may actually go, God, I am getting paid back for the years of sacrifice and investment. That's right. That's why it's so important to look at, as you said, both sides of the equation, the buy as well sell side Mm -hmm. of the equation. And in respect to the buying side, when you are looking at businesses, that's a great way to look at the market is if you can see the market on on a more of a 30,000 foot view. So I can see I've got a bunch of printing companies, for example, is, is, is a good example here in the local marketplace. Lots of small, broken up, fractioned marketplace. If I could come in and acquire this company, make it more profitable, and a year later buy this one and buy this one, I can secure more market share and, and gain gotcha. more profitability in the marketplace. So a lot of people don't just look at one individual purchase, but look at multiple purchases over time. And in many cases, you can use the financing from one to finance the next one as Got well, it. So which, which is a great, great strategy, I find. So that's a great way to approach an acquisition if you have an existing business. Business stability is also a great right. reason. If you have a business that's having some challenges and you know if you acquired this other type of business, it could really supplement what you're doing. And an acquisition is often the best way to go. I know when I acquired my last two businesses, that was my perspective, was that I really wanted to, I felt I could do a lot more to the business, that the owner had plateaued and was looking at a way that someone else could take right. and grow the business. They were at a place where they wanted to exit. I was in a place where I wanted to grow. 
and felt I could do that and did it successfully. Which is and also is that if that owner had not been thinking from the beginning, like we talked about in the last segment about the valuation of the business, right. more than likely you're getting a pretty good deal. That's right. That's right. And it, it is, it is challenging nowadays. And it's also interesting to note that the, the marketplace currently is currently more of much more of a, a buyer's market. So, and there's continued to be for some time, I think. So the really strong companies as a seller, You've got to do a great job of positioning your company for sale because of the glut of yep. businesses, especially with baby boomers really hitting baby boomer status and wanting to sell their businesses. Buyers really have to be aware. There's a lot of businesses out there in the marketplace, so you're really in a driver's seat. So if you have the ability to secure and finance an acquisition, you're really going to have your pick of the litter. So it's a great time to be a business that, buyer. That, that, that's quite true. In fact, uh, a lot of the boomers are finding two things. One is they can't sell right. because of a glut in the market. And number two, when they look at their retirement, a lot of them are going, I can't sell, not because I can't get good money for it, exactly right. but I may need to stay another 10 years to make sure I've got anything for retirement. That's right. I can't sell. I can't it's sell. Not financial. Just, I've heard that, heard that many times a week, yeah. unfortunately. So yeah. it's, a, it's a tough position to be in. But hopefully today we've had a chance to cover really both sides of that equation, understanding the most critical part of this process is why you want to buy, why you want to sell, and how to make sure you put the right pieces in place and get the right dynamics happening for you so you maximize on either side of that equation, selling or buying. Uh, one last thought for the listeners on buying or selling. If they, if they were going to take one thing away from uh, these two segments, what would you recommend to them? Take one thing away is plan. Plan and prepare. Be prepared. Don't get into a position where you're either in a rush to buy a business right. or in a rush to sell your business because in that case you're going to make mistakes. And the other thing would be, it's a question I always love to ask as a consultant, what didn't we talk about that probably is relevant to, to this issue? You know, we, we, didn't, we didn't talk a, a lot about the psychology that's involved. Okay. Talked a little bit about it, I think. But really understood, taking the heart how critical it's going to be when you buy the business again or sell the business, what that's going to do to you personally. We've touched on it a little bit, but just don't have time to go into depth on that. Topic. Okay. Well, so then we'll pick that one up. I'll make sure that I, I note that. And when you're back in the studio in two weeks with Rick, um, I'll ask the question again. Sounds good. Uh, so with that, Mark, always good seeing you. And I appreciate you being in here. My pleasure. This is RichmondMizLive.com. We will be right back. So what exactly is this gangplank RVA thing I'm hearing about all over town? Basically, it's a community center for small businesses, entrepreneurs, and creatives. We provide a large open space for you to work with a desk and a chair, high-speed Wi-Fi, and other amenities you normally find in an office setting. And just what does all this cost, you ask? Zip, zero, zilch. Using Gangplank RVA is absolutely free. There are no membership fees. All that we ask is for you to pay it forward by sharing your knowledge and skills with the community. Just bring your laptop, your cell phone, and your work materials, and you're good to go. It's a work environment without all the distractions of a home office or a coffee shop. Drop in Monday through Friday, 9 to 5, or we host several meetups every week that you're welcome to visit anytime. We have two convenient locations for you to check out, one in Scott's Edition, and one in downtown Richmond at RVA Works. Learn more by visiting gangplankrva.org today. And we look forward to you joining us at Richmond's Community Center for Entrepreneurs, Gangplank RVA. And this is Richmond Biz Live at WLEE News Talk 990 at the studios in downtown, beautiful downtown Richmond. And we're back. And we just uh, finished up two segments with Mark Deutsch, one, uh, first segment was talking about selling your business. Uh, and then the second one was buying the business. And even if you're not in the market to buy, it's an excellent uh, topic area to understand because then 
you know when you're across the table from somebody what they're trying to do. What I'd like to do now is I'd like to take an opportunity to do some shout outs. So first of all, our producer and engineer and friend and the guy that makes this work, uh, Ryan, how are you That's this morning? Right. Doing well, Bill. Thank you. Yeah. This morning, this afternoon, yeah. man. Yeah. I well, you tell. know what it is. Yeah. 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 We're figuring it out. Yeah, I'm still uh, figuring it out. I'll probably wake up by the time the show's <laughs> over. Uh, I just had a, I had a hell of a week in, uh, in Southwest Virginia. We just, you know, we'd, you know, you take That's, three steps forward and you take yeah. two steps back and we've got, uh, uh, we're a manufacturer. We make uh, commercial casework and we're doing installations and it's a totally different business to run. And I'm thinking that we, uh, have either got to professionalize this because it's killing us or outsource it or stop doing it. Okay. But what we're doing is killing us. And I've been out on install for the last couple of days, working 18 hour days to get stuff wow. done because we've got to turn over a facility today. And I had a couple of nasty emails this morning before I came in the studio and I've got some unhappy customers that if my crews don't get off this job, uh -oh. um, and start next week, it's going to accumulate. So pretty soon sure. I'm going to look like a magnet in a BB factory. I'm just going to be <laughs> covered only in this case with arrows. So, which gives me a kind of good lead in here. Also, I want to, I want to do a shout out to my partners, uh, the guys that make this go, uh, Richard, Richard Retzer and, uh, in beautiful Kansas City, Missouri, uh, you know, got our Midwest operations, and uh, to Kevin Granger, who has both our Las Vegas operations on the West Coast, and our operations for Canada, operating out of wonderful Alberta, Calgary, Alberta, to be exact. Also, um, a shout out to um, uh, to some of our other members who are going to be on next week. We got Andy Schulich, who's our productivity expert, Linda Heath, who's our expert on uh, uh, small business finance, and. Um, and the team now working marketing and sales, Ben Meredith from B&B Consulting and Mike and Patrick Carroll, who are coming to us from Focus Business, which is part of the Sandler organization. And myself, I am William Eastman. I am managing partner for the Growth Works, uh, a consultant catered to small businesses and show them how to grow. And what we do is we take 35 years, my 35 years, plus the co collective of the other members of the organization and show companies how to grow and reinvent or sell. And that's our business. And that's what this show is about. Now I'm on my last segment of the day and it's called owner is exact. And at first I was thinking about doing something kind of crazy because it's Halloween, but you know what, after what I've been through it, that's a horror show onto itself. So, uh, I'm going to leave it there. Uh, two weeks ago, owner exec segment. Uh, I talked about, uh, what, what separates really the great leaders from the also rands. And I, I talked about five concepts. I talked about that they were visionaries and painted kind of a picture of the future. Uh, they, um, they were focused in themselves in terms of how they managed their own time. Uh, when anybody wanted to know what it was, where we're about, where we're trying to go, they just looked at uh, that individual. They role modeled, they embodied it. Uh, the, the fourth one was that they had the ability to communicate it in a way that you could see what they were saying. And then finally, they empowered it. They, they, they were able to delegate authority down to people so that other individuals could make the vision go. And so that was kind of the, uh, the primer to get into today. So what I'd like to do is I'd like to offer to all of you that are either thinking about running a business or you're running a business. Let's talk about the area of leadership and management. So come on, get in 844-249-5483. That's 844-249-5483. And you can be a startup entrepreneur. You can be somebody thinking about a startup or you're an existing business. So as, uh, as we go through this, I want to separate this issue of leader manager. Now, 
I see leadership, I see leadership as kind of a, a marketing issue. Is It's a poll. You're trying to create an end game that you want people to be attracted to. Management is much more of a strategy of, of you offer your retailers uh, a sale on the stuff that you sell, and you're kind of pushing things through the system. And so it's always kind of a two-part. And so when I, when I talk about leadership now, I want to kind of take the, the five items I talked about two weeks ago and bring it down to two. Good leaders do two things. They bring vision, and then they align people around that. On the management side, I'm also going to turn that into two to keep this really simple. As a manager, my number one job is to coordinate. My number two job is to create the path of least resistance, and I'm going to spend a little bit more time with that one because it's not as obvious as it sounds. On the vision side, two weeks ago I hit on this. So if you want, if you want to, this is show 31. I'd go back to show 29 and listen to that. But basically, I need to provide a compelling vision of the end game. Where are we taking this, which includes a line of sight, that as I do my job day-to-day in this company, I can see how what I do and how I work impacts that game. For so many people, if you have a position description or job description, and a lot of small companies don't, but let's assume that you do, to a lot of people, the job they do is to list a task and they just kind of knock them off. Whether those tasks have any, any contact or any relevance to the future of the company I'm sure they do, but don't ask me about it because I certainly don't see it. And so what I want to make sure is that as I'm doing those tasks that are part of my job, whether I'm answering the phone, I'm in the field doing installs, I'm on the floor uh, cutting or I'm processing or I'm fabricating, it doesn't matter what I'm doing or I'm sweeping the floor. I, I want to make sure that everybody that works for me can see how their labor contributes to the success of the business. And that isn't as easy as it sounds. Some jobs, it's pretty clear. Other jobs, you got to work at it. But the more that people can see it, I will guarantee you this right now, is that this is worth the effort you put into it. Because most people are willing to contribute to grow your company if you give them the opportunity, which will get me to the management and the path of least resistance. Now, the issue of alignment is uh, I want you to think about you know, what is a company? A company is nothing more than a economic entity that's made up of social relationships. That's really it. You know, the only difference between a company and a family is that in family, typically you're stuck with one another because of blood and DNA. And it makes it more difficult to lead um, because, you know, people don't have to follow. But in a business, I create an economic entity. We're working together to achieve an end and that I still have the issue of social relationships. So I'll take that picture and I want you to transfer the picture to this one. You're the owner of a company and you got a fleet of boats. Each individual represents a boat. Now you can organize that into squadrons, you know, in terms of departments and divisions, but let's say you've got, in our case, we got about 90 boats in the water. Alignment means that they all steer the same course. What happens in almost every small business that I've worked in, and when I say small business under 50 million, not that the big businesses have got a handle on this, but in the last 15 years, my sole focus has been companies under 50 million. And in fact, right now, between one and 10 is where I'm doing most of my work, is that each one of those boats are running a little different path. And so here's what you do. You add those paths together, all right? So if I'm steering the right direction and I'm going 10 knots, but somebody is 10 degrees off going 12 knots, 
Okay, so I'm now I'm a little bit off because now I'm not heading in the right direction. Now I got somebody else who's heading exactly opposite of what we're doing, going 20 knots. Then I've got somebody who's going tangential and they're 90 degrees off, but they're only going four knots. You see where I'm going on this? As you begin to add these arrows up, what you find is an organization that performs like a land crab is that you got all these legs kind of moving around and the thing is moving sideways. It ain't going forward. All right. It ain't going backwards. It's just kind of moving sideways and you're going, what the hell's going on here? I'm trying to get this thing going in the right direction. And all I see is this crab marching back and forth side to side. And we, we basically are making no progress. The reason for that is I haven't done a good job to align people to where I needed them to go. And so what I've got to consider is what activities can I put into the workplace that will make that happen? Now, what I'm doing right now, because I'm trying to keep everything simple and I believe in simplicity because 10 years ago, I would have made this much more difficult than I, than it needed to be is it's come down to two issues. What are the metrics and when do we meet? And I make sure that I got just the right number of meetings in the organization that happen either weekly or daily or, or bi-monthly. It all depends upon the issue. And those meetings are only about discussion of a set of metrics and what are you going to do about it? That's my way of making sure that I can add the vectors. I can add all the arrows of all the boats. And what that means is I've got most everything heading in the right direction. Now on the manager side, how do I pull that off? Now that I've kind of done this from a macro or a strategic or from 10,000 feet, however you want to say it. All right, let's talk about what it looks like on the ground. So that gets me into the coordination piece. And a role as a manager, number one, is to coordinate to get the right people deployed on the right stuff at the right time. It's all about making resource allocations because, especially in a small business, I don't have a lot of resources. I certainly don't have a lot of money. I certainly don't have a lot of bodies laying around. And if you look at energy, your energy is the owner. You look at time that we've got, the time frames that work's got to get done is that what I have to make sure is that we're making the right decisions of who to put where and when do we put them on those jobs. And so what my managers, I want to get away from this traditional planning and controlling and scheduling and measuring and all the things that if you took, if you, if you went to school for a management degree, they taught you. Yeah, that stuff's important. But the bottom line is my number one management job is to coordinate, to get the right resources at the right time and the right spot. I do that. And then what I'll do is I'll get the type of alignment that I need in the organization. And then the last one is this issue of the path of least resistance is what I got to understand is that people will always try to find the easiest way to something. People are like electricity and anybody that's worked with, with electricity knows that electricity will flow to the area of the least resistance. Okay. That that's just the nature of it. And so it's the same with people. So, Here's the question to you ask yourself, business owner, entrepreneur, president, vice president, or even department head. Are people in the company successful because of you or the organization of your systems and processes, or are they successful in spite of? And I'll be willing to take bets from anybody calling in, and I'll bet you out of 100 bets, I win 99 of them. Is that what everybody will say, I'm successful here in spite of the organization that nothing here is designed to make this work well. And so I've got to make people take the most difficult path and road to be successful. So this issue of the path, the path of least resistance is how do I make it easy for people to do the right thing? Cause you know, if I make it easy for them to do the right thing, more than likely they'll do the right thing. And I won't have to either bribe them with money 
or praise. I won't have to get out my whip and beat on them and use punishment and coercion to get it done. If you're, if you are spending a lot of time and energy controlling people or using some sort of coercion and threats to get the behavior you want to see, that should be telling you that you are making people go on a path that has a high amount of resistance for everybody that has an electric range or electric stove. How do you think those plates heat up? They use materials that have high resistance to electrical energy. So what happens is they grow hot. They start to heat up because electricity does not pass through them easily. What happens on the job when you make doing the right thing difficult? They begin to heat up. And then pretty soon what you've got is you've got real attitude and performance issues. So to me, to kind of close this thought out um, as we I summarize it, is that as a leader, I need to make sure that people, I have a positive, compelling vision of where I'm taking this company, and it's got to be more than, oh, I'm going to make a ton of money and I'm going to sell it for five times the multiple. It's got to be compelling and mean something to everybody in the company. And that as an individual, I have to have line of sight to it. Number two is I have to make sure that I have set up the right type of mechanism so that people have an opportunity to see what everybody else is doing and I can gain alignment around the resources, which gets me to my first step of management. Now I'm making a transition to being a day-to-day -day manager in that my job is to coordinate to make sure that I've got the right people in the right place at the right time. And I can tell you is that, and I'm living through it right now, I've got parts of the business that the way we solve problems is we throw bodies at it. We throw overtime. We put people on the job who don't know what they're doing. And actually we're adding to the amount of time it's taken to get it done. Because if they're going to be somewhat productive, I got to use my best people to tell them what to do. And my best people aren't doing what they can do. And so this whole issue about coordination is absolutely essential to run the business correctly, to get that final to get that final cost savings that I need to get out of the business and finally understand is that coordination will be simple or hard depending upon the path of least resistance. And how do I, how do I make my company the, the type of company where doing the right thing is the easiest thing to do and doing it wrong is the most difficult thing to do. And I think if you ask yourself that question, especially if you engage the people around you in that conversation, I think you will get the answer to it. So my owner is exec. Um, that's my piece for today. And, and again, for those of you out there, your business owners, uh, the reason for this segment is that if you were an escapee from a large corporation, what you know is as you work your way through the organization and get promoted, um, you have to get a change of behavior. And so if you're a first-line supervisor, like I, I started off as a worker, then I was a supervisor, then I moved into middle management, um, if I hadn't changed my behavior from worker to first-line supervisor, I wouldn't have kept my job very long. And then when I moved from first-line supervision to middle management, if I didn't change my approach and style, I would have been demoted back to first-line supervision. And then finally, when I made the executive ranks, if I acted like a middle manager, I wouldn't have stayed there very long. So what you learn in a large corporation is that as you get promoted, you have to change your approach. Business owners, on the other hand, as you grow the business, you've got to do exactly the same thing, is that when you start the company, it's a command and control company, it's a hub and spoke system where the owner is the hub, all the employees are spokes, and then pretty soon when you get around 10, 15 people, you find out you can't do that. And so then what happens is you move from managing people 
to putting processes in place. And what you do is you either manage or hopefully you've added a few people. You've got some managers in the organization. And what they're going to do is they're going to manage to make sure that the processes are built. If you get that done, then finally you get the, you get to reap the rewards of this investment. And the rewards of this investment is that you can run a results-based company because you know the processes are in place. Then what we, we're going to say is that here are the results that we need weekly, monthly, quarterly, again, depending upon your business. And then pretty soon you are where you need to be. And then finally, the last style of a leader, and that's where we are in this reinvention, is, is that you lead by teams. You put together project teams of inside and outside experts, and that's how you manage the business. So basically, you go from directing to building processes to managing by results and finally building teams around that. And so with that, what I'd like to say is I'd like to say to everybody out there, be safe tonight. Uh, have some fun. You want to come visit us. We live on the street on Hanover that is closed. And so I'm expecting about 5,000 people tonight. And if not, then I'll, I'll see you next Friday. Wealth and Prosperity. Is it time for your business to pay it back? Hello, I'm William Eastman, executive producer of Richmond Biz Live. And if this is your challenge as a business owner, then don't miss a single show. Either listen live at 10 o'clock every Saturday on WLEE News Talk 990 or download our podcast at richmondbizlive.com. Every show, we tackle those issues in marketing, sales, people, customers, and finance that are limiting your success. If it's time to get paid back for your years of investment and sacrifice, join us this Saturday at 10 o'clock for Richmond Biz Live.